The reading this evening is from Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 to 38, which is on page uh, 974 in your pew Bibles. That's Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good evening to everybody. It's um, a real privilege to be here tonight to uh, speak to you, to share with you something of um, my uh, experience of the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit has worked in my life, and also in the life of many people that I've met and been working with in Peru. It's been amazing. Uh, now, perhaps some of you that tonight, I don't know whether there's many students here who are coming to the end of their time at university, perhaps not so many as in the morning maybe, but um, I remember when I finished university in Edinburgh doing languages, uh, I th thought, I wonder what the next stage is going to be like of my life, you know, what will I do, how will it pan out? And if anybody had said to me, you'll be a missionary for 35 years in Peru and you will love it, I, I would have said, no way, there's absolutely no way I'm going to be a missionary. That was about the last thing that I thought of doing. And it's incredible how God has such a sense of humor. He, he puts you to do the thing that you would least want to do or, or think you would least want to do. And um, I remember just thinking, well, you know, missionary is one thing I definitely don't want to do now. Now, when I finish, well, I could either do a teacher training course, a social work course, or a translation and interpretation course, because those were really like three options that you could do with languages. And I thought, in the end, I thought I'd be a teacher because that would combine social work and teaching quite well and teach in a comprehensive school. Now, teaching in comprehensive school was slightly different from leading Bible studies at university. I quite liked leading Bible studies at, at university, but d teaching d difficult kids and actually teaching was an amazing preparation. I didn't realize how good a preparation it would be, but it was. And when I started to teach, I was already a Christian. I'd been, been a Christian for many years because I grew up in a Christian family. But I hadn't really had an experience fully of the Holy Spirit. And I kind of wanted to have, but didn't really know how you would go about it. I read books, but um, I hadn't really had that experience. And then I ended up in a little backstreet Pentecostal church in a poor area of the West Midlands. And there, God really met me, and he enabled me to um, be filled with the Spirit. I understood, I think, for the first time what it meant to be filled with the Spirit. And I really asked God to fill me with the Spirit and take away whatever things in me there might be preventing that filling. And it was amazing the difference that it made in my life because before I'd always been quite um, reticent about witnessing. I wanted to witness, but like probably many of us, I, I was shy about it and thought, mm, what will they think of me if I say I'm a Christian and start evangelizing them? They'll, they'll be really put off. And so I wasn't very confident about evangelizing. But during, well, after that experience, it really made a difference. It was true what Acts 1.8 says when uh, Jesus said to his disciples, you will receive the Holy Spirit 
and you'll receive power um, to be my witnesses, first in Jerusalem, then in Judea, then Samaria, and then to the uttermost parts of the earth. And so my immediate mission field was the school, and I started to talk to the kids just in a kind of informal way about, about um, Christianity, and they were really interested, and some of them came to church with me, and this church was really very evangelistic, so it was, it was good. It really inspired me, and, um, and so some of the kids came, some of them even made commitments, and I, I was amazed, and it was really quite exciting, and I thought, actually, perhaps I would like to work in some sort of Christian work, but definitely not being a missionary, but I, my mind was going sort of towards Christian work, and um, it, through a series of circumstances, which I won't go into now because it's quite a long story, but God did really challenge me about um, being a missionary and sort of said to me, well, why don't you want to be a missionary? Why are you putting up all these obstacles? When I thought about it, I thought, actually, I don't really know why I don't want to be a missionary, but it's just one of those things I've had from childhood that I didn't want to be, perhaps because missionaries seem to be quite old-fashioned, and I thought, I don't really want to be like that. But um, anyway, God did challenge me about it. He gave me very clear signs and indications and confirmations. So I then went to Bible college, and um, uh, I think one of the things that helped me ab about this was talking to a missionary at a, at a Latin link, con well, a USA conference, as it was then. She spoke to me, and I had asked her, how can you know if God's calling you to be a missionary? And she said to me, well, I'll give you four principles of guidance, which might possibly be helpful to some of you if you're uh, at that stage in your life making decisions. And she said, the first one is God will speak to you through the word. Then he will speak to you through other people's reactions to what you're thinking of, then through circumstances, and then through the peace of God in your heart. And it was amazing. I went back to my room, and God just spoke to me so much through the Bible. You know, I was saying to him, well, what would I do if I was a missionary? I have no idea who I would work with, where I would work. Would I work in mountains, jungle, um, coast with children, teenagers, um, students, or adults? And I definitely felt that I wanted to go to Peru because my, my degree had been in Spanish and Latin American studies. So the country that most interested me was Peru. I really wanted to go there. But I had thought in a secular capacity, you know, maybe like in translation or as a secretary in a company or, or something like that, or as a teacher of English as a foreign language. But none of those things actually worked out. So um, God definitely changed my whole um, thinking about what, what, was, what I was to do. Because I really wanted to have a job that made quite a lot of money. And I knew well, missionary work doesn't make a lot of money. But... Um, but, as I say, God clearly guided me, and I just knew in my heart that that was what he wanted to do, that he wanted me to do. And it was just as well that I had that conviction, because it wasn't easy when I first got there. I can remember arriving in Lima, and it was so um, crowded, dusty, dirty, hot. I thought, what have I done? Oh, I've made a terrible mistake coming here, you know, because it just seemed really hard, and it seemed, I thought, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'll never make friends here, and I've left everything behind, and it, it was really difficult in those first few weeks, but God really sustained me and spoke to me and um, comforted me, and, and now we're going to see some pictures about what it was like, um, what it was like there uh, when I first arrived. Now, um, can we go to the first one? I think, yes. So, Lima is a huge city. It's got, uh, had a few years ago, it had 10 million. I think it's probably got more than 10 million now. And it's just vast. It spreads over a wide area. Next one. And 
Um, it's actually built on a desert. People don't realize that it's built on a desert, but it's very sandy all the way around. And um, next one. And uh, yes, yeah, so um, this particular lady called Palmyra, I met her in an inner city church where I had been sent to work by the mission. And she was being rehoused to one of those desert areas. And it, it seemed awful where she was going to go. Um, but she had really prayed about it and felt that God was telling her, yes, I do want you to go to this area and there will be a work for you to do there. So she moved to this area. Next slide. Um, yeah, so she moved to that little um, bamboo matting house on the left. Can you believe it? It was like sort of setting up home on a beach, but except that it wasn't really like a beach because it was miles from the sea and it was full of rubbish underneath. It had been the rubbish tip of Lima for many years and then they sort of opened it up for people to move to because there was so much overcrowding in the city. So she moved there with two little boys. She was a single mother and she said, you know, I really feel God wants me me to do something here with the children. Now, will you help me? And I was thinking, oh, goodness. Um, I feel more able to work with teenagers because I'd been a secondary school teacher. And I said to her, Palmyra, well, let's pray about that. So we prayed about it. And then just the following week, two girls in the church came up to me and said, Margaret, we really feel God's telling us to work in an area where there's no church. Can you think of somewhere? And so that was wonderful because um, I immediately thought of this area and said to them, would you like to work there uh, where Palmyra's gone to live? And they knew Palmyra and they said, yeah, but that's miles away and it's so dangerous because it was thought of as quite a dangerous area. And I said, no, but it'll be fine and um, God will be with us. <laughs> anyway, they prayed about it and they said, yes, we will help you. So we started a children's club in that area. Next picture. So we had um, about probably the first day, about 15 children turned up and we had some refreshments and we did, um, uh, uh, I played the guitar and the girls did a talk and had some worksheets for them. And so they really liked it because nobody had done anything like that there before. So they said, are you coming next week? So we all said, oh yes, we'll keep coming. So um, that carried on. And then a few more people moved around into the area and there was always in these areas, there's lots of children. So, so um, the area gradually filled up and the houses sort of went from bamboo matting to wood and then eventually to, to something a bit more solid. But here is um, some of the children plus mothers because um, we decided that, well, the kids themselves spoke to their mothers and said, oh, we're, we're going to this group on a Sunday afternoon and why don't you come? Or the mothers said, oh, um, well, perhaps we should go and see what is, what's happening there. And, and the children used to sing the songs and they used to say to their mothers, well, we should be praying to thank God for the food that we're receiving. You're not praying. So the women were a bit curious and, and started to come along. So we didn't immediately do Bible studies. We did some handcraft things, some crochet and things that they were interested in doing. And, uh, but little by little introduced Bible study with them there. And then, um, and so we had the, the sort of basics of a church soon because quite a lot of adults started coming, husbands, older brothers and sisters as well. And uh, then the mission offered me to have a step team. Now, some of you have probably come across step teams, which are uh, short-term teams that come and do building work or something like that. So the, we were going to have one of those. But the problem was, where would we build a church? Because we only had that piece of land that, where Palmyra lived. And then Palmyra said, I've been praying about it and I feel God is telling me to give my land to be the church. 
which was amazing because that was all she had. You know, she had that little bamboo matting hut, piece of land around it, and those, the bamboo matting fence that we'd put up to make us our little church. So she said, um, I feel God's telling me that I should give it. And she didn't want any money for it or anything, so she gave it. And she said, because we said, well, where will you live? And she said, well, I can live at the back, or if there's ever a second story, I can live on the second story. So that was what happened. She donated it. It was like, a bit like the widow with her might, you know, that she gave everything she had. And so we had that step team, a team of um, about 10 young people from England who came and, and built. They didn't build everything. They just built foundations and some walls, but it was a beginning. And then some local builders carried on. So the other thing that started around that time was that um, because we had a building and there were lo lots of needs amongst the children, very poor families, um, we started having a food program, which um, actually a secular organization wanted to help with. So they provided the money, Palmyra was in charge of it, and she ran it. And the idea was that she would do some children's talks with them, do some Bible stories with them. And at first she found that really difficult because she had no training. She was just somebody who washed clothes for you know better off families and was like a maid really. So she'd never really done any kind of um, training for children's work at all, and it was quite difficult for her, but we sent her on courses, I sent her on some courses to, to learn about how to teach children, and she did wonderfully, and she became, she's become a really good children's worker, one of the best. So it was wonderful how the spirit worked in her in so many ways. She's always so cheerful and lovely. So, so that was a food program that we had, and it had about probably 70 children at one stage, uh, and the next one, oh, and we also needed to have a tank for the water. So we needed to have a tank whereby we could have water to, um, to provide for the cooking and for washing and everything else. But, but I said to the, to the lady who was from the secular organization, would it be okay if we could also use it sometimes as a baptistry? And I thought she might say no, because this was a, a not a Christian organization. She said, oh, I don't think there'd be any problem about that. So, so we used it as well as a baptistry. And interestingly, that um, the guy on the right, the young man there, he was probably about 21 at the time and was doing like a gap year. And he's now an archdeacon in the Church of England. So it's quite interesting to have seen how, how God has used people of all sorts who've been there uh, as young people and helped. And it's wonderful to see how they've gone on and, and ser serving God today. And then, uh, uh, and then this was what, oh, this is another thing that's interesting that Rupert will be interested in is that the roof to the first story was provided by St. Barnabas, which is the church that Rupert came from and Diana and John Irvin. And uh, they provided the roof for that second story many years ago. And then Palmyra did live above and uh, this was some of the children that were in the food program. So the next one. And it was lovely, it's lovely to see how many of those children have gone on to serve the Lord. That little girl in the middle, Liliana, she started coming when she was nine. And, um, and then she has grown up, has got married and got children and is serving God. She's in another church, but she's the one on the left there uh, of, of those three. And Oscar on the right is Palmyra's oldest boy. And he's also really active in God's work. So it's lovely that Palmyra has got she can see that she can see and I can see the, the fruit of people who were children who are now leaders and serving God and um, these are two little girls who came along to a holiday bible club um, in about 1990 I think this was and they 
just came along and were interested and very keen, and they wanted me to go and visit their mother. So I visited their mother, and she was quite interested in Christianity. We talked for ages and many days, but she was quite resistant to making a commitment. However, after several months, she did make a commitment, amazingly, and, and then was really keen. And I, I, so I was going to do a discipleship course with her to help her to grow. But she said, oh, but I'm actually going to be moving. I'm moving to another area. My husband's found a piece of land for us because she was living temporarily with her sister-in-law and not permanently in, in Villa Salvador in this area. But So she moved. And she moved, um, so this is Lily, she moved to this another little shack in a desert area, in another area which wasn't actually very near. It was, um, as the crow flies, it wasn't that far, but to get to it, you had to take two buses. So I thought, she's not going to come to to the services that we have now in the, in the church. And I thought, oh, that's such a pity, you know, that she's just become a Christian and nobody will be there to disciple her. But then she said to me, oh, but don't worry, because we can have a children's group where I live and you can come and do a children's club there, just like uh, has happened with Palmyra. So we did that. We started having a children's club there, and, and that was wonderful, amazing. She knew, got to know all the children very quickly, invited them. And it was amazing because the other day I met one of the boys who'd come. Well, in fact, I bumped into him and he and his wife invited me for lunch. And they said, oh, it was so important. Those days that we had uh, in that initial children's club, they'd moved away now. But they said that was really formative in our life. So you just never know what is being sown in the lives of children when you work with them. And I think it's very it's great that this church has a really good children's and, te and teenagers' work. And so there's some of the children. That little boy on the right in front of me, Edwin, he also has really grown into a good leader. He's a great leader now, and, um, but was a very keen little boy. That's him on, uh, in the middle there. He's in the middle of that. That was the area of La Tablada, where Lily moved to. And Lily was also very much inspired by the Spirit to be able to do this because it wasn't easy. There's lots of attack when these people start having little churches and groups in their homes. But um, the next one, oh, that's Edwin today. Oh, well, uh, that was, I think, a couple of years ago when he got married. He got married to Jessica, who was in the same youth group when they were young people. And they've just had a little girl, which is rather lovely. So he's a leader in the church now that, that was formed from that little children's club. And, um, but again, it was um, through crafts that we managed to reach out to mothers there. And it wasn't very easy for me because I thought, I don't know much about... They wanted to do these soft toys. And I thought, I don't know much about making soft toys. But fortunately, God helped me. I learned how to do it and um, taught them. And then we did other things as well. Then we were able to get a piece of land um, because there was by now a group of adults who'd become Christians there. We bought this piece of land and... Um, it had two rooms on it, but it had this space at the back. And I was wondering what we could do with the space at the back. And at that point, some people rang me up and said they had a marquee that they wanted to sell, and would I like to buy it? Well, I hadn't really thought of buying a marquee and wondered what on earth I'd do with a marquee. But then I suddenly thought of this piece of land and thought, ah, oh, it's just the right size to go on that back part of the land. So we bought it and had it as a church for a couple of years. Um, and we had children's clubs there and the church services. And then 
Uh, we had another step team, another team from England who did a marvelous job doing building walls and foundations. And again, it was um, great because it was very good for the Bible clubs. And, um, and so that's what that church looks like now. It's grown into quite a big church. Um, and it's, uh, that was an anniversary. So there's not, I have to say, there's not that many people there at the moment. That It's just had a split, sadly. And so um, one group went off over a difference of opinion. And so um, there's not a very big group there now. But it's growing and hopefully will grow again. And you could pray for that church. It's called Light and Hope Church. Light and Hope and um, the pastor is a young man called Juan Carlos with his wife Giovanna and little girl um, there. So, and that's him uh, preaching. Or, uh, and that's the Holiday Bible Club of this year. And um, those are some of the women. That's Lily, the lady who took the first initiative there. She's still um, involved in the church. And, uh, and then another of the ladies who's been very active in the church is Mary Luce, this one here, because she had a real vision for not just um, having children's clubs in the church, but actually having a primary, not a primary, a sort of preschool where children could learn and um, be trained. And so uh, she had that vision for starting a preschool, and um, she saw a piece of land that a, a local community wanted to give us, which was on the side of that hill there. And I was thinking, Oh gosh, Mary Lewis, how can you have a building there? It was like like 45 degrees. I thought, how can you build something there? And she said, oh yes, the people, the local people, they know how to do it. They'll just level it and put it on two levels. So it was done, um, a little wooden building, one level, and then another bit on another level, which is the next slide. So, so that was our nursery school for several years. And then we were able to buy another uh, place. Um, this was... Uh, the nursery school was not only used for the nursery school, but also on a Saturday, it was used for having uh, a class for older children. So it's also, again, been reaching out. And there's like a little church there now, which is amazing. There's some adults, some teenagers, some of those little children have started university now. So it's amazing how, how God has used that little preschool. And that was uh, uh, some of the things and things for Mother's Day. And then the, um, we bought that, and then uh, it didn't have a roof on, so we put a roof on and built a second story. So that's what that looks like now, and it's a very good means of reaching out into the community. That's for the babies for up to two years, and then this is the three-year-olds and um, uh, four-year-olds, and then and some of the te teachers, us four teachers there. And so there's a bit in the middle where we can have meetings with the mothers, and also meetings with the fathers as well. So, so that's a very good evangelistic outreach. Then this lady, I'll just tell you about her because her testimony is very interesting. She's called Rosa. And she was, it was from her and her husband that we bought the land for that Light and Hope church where the marquee was. We bought it from them and then they sort of disappeared and we didn't know what had happened to them. But I had to look for her because of a problem with the... Um, with the documents, and so I found her where she was living in quite a long way away. But when I went to visit her, she was so depressed. She was really, really desperate at her wit's end because her husband had become an alcoholic. She had nine children, and she really didn't know what to do, and she was really, really desperate. Anyway, she said, oh, I wish I'd stayed in La Tablada in, at Light and Hope because there I would have learned how to make those soft toys, and I would have heard about Jesus, and, and I wish we hadn't moved. But... I said to her, well, you can still 
you can still come to know Jesus. And she said, well, how? How can I know Jesus? So that was an amazing opportunity to be able to just explain the gospel to her and tell her how she could ask Jesus into her heart. So she did and totally changed, real transformation in her. She started to read the Bible avidly. And in a few months, I think she'd read all the Bible. And she didn't have a very high level of education either. But, and I did a course with her. And when we got to the lesson of how to share your faith with others, she said, well, I can't do that because I'm like a prisoner here. My husband won't let me go. He won't let me even go to the parent-teacher meetings at school. I can't go out anywhere. I can't go visit my family. I'm just trapped here. It's like a prison. So I said to her, well, well, so even though you're like in a prison, there's one thing that a prison can't stop, and that's prayer. So you can pray for your family. You've got nine children. You've got 13 brothers and sisters because they were just a huge family. And you've got your nieces and nephews. You can pray for this area for the kids and the children and the, and the mothers and fathers here in this area. So do that. So she did. She prayed for all these different people. And her son, well, all her children have become Christians, all nine of them. And um, some of the girls, uh, some of the people in that area. And we'll stop here a minute. Her sister, Ophelia, and her niece, Candy, became Christians. Candy went to a camp that we had and made a commitment and then just went from strength to strength and got her mother to go to um, a church where we were having the anniversary and her mother became a Christian, then her father. So those are Candy's parents. And so they've start, they started a church and that church is it's small, but it's again, it's had a step team and, and it's got um, uh, a little building. It's a small area, but they've got a building up above. They had a baptistry in the church, in a paddling pool, but quite effective. I think you've done that here. And then that's a prayer meeting. So there's a small group that meets to pray. And now Candy is, um, she's done a degree in physiotherapy, which you can do there. And so she's now in charge of a unit in one of the hospitals in Lima, which is fantastic. So she did my physiotherapy for me when I was um, needing some physiotherapy, which is fantastic. They've got their own outreach on a hillside as well, um, which again is very poor and quite difficult. But loads of potential there and loads of need so that's another area of, of really of, of growth and that's one of the families there well I think I'll just stop showing pictures and just briefly read um, uh, one or two more verses that I'd like to read you um, one is um, the when Philip um, was having a very successful ministry in Samaria God told him through an angel to go somewhere else, to go to the desert. So he did, he obeyed. And then in verse 29, it says, the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. So Philip actually knew through the Holy Spirit where he was supposed to go. And then in chapter 10 of Acts, it says Peter, he had a vision about um, uh, killing and eating unclean, supposedly unclean animals. And that was to prepare him for a, some visitors from Cornelius's house, a Roman, who wanted him, wanted Peter to go and speak to them. And again, it says, um, while Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Don't hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. And um, we read in the passage about Jesus going from place to place, teaching and preaching and healing. And... There are many, many doors that open for us in our lives. I think um, we can either go through them or we can stay where we are comfortably. And I, to be honest, would have been quite happy to stay in the first place where Palmyra was. I really didn't want to go to another area. 
And there were many times when there were other areas opening up and opening up and opening up. I haven't had time to show, talk about them all, but there are like there's been about 10 areas where we've been able to do the same thing through different women, particularly women who've been willing to give their little plot of ground to have a children's club and then a church. And it's amazing how it's been these women with no education, but they've been willing to do that. And I think that many times God opens doors for us and we can either go through them, as I say, or we can stay comfortably and say, no, I don't want to. But I think God wants us to say, Lord, I'm willing to do whatever you want. I'm willing to go to whoever you want me to go to to preach the gospel as Philip did to the Ethiopian, as Peter did to Cornelius. And sometimes we just don't really want to, really. But God can give us a nudge. And if we, all of us, say to God, I really want to be filled with your spirit. I really want to have that empowerment to speak to people about you, the words to explain the gospel. Please, will you do that in me? I want to do it. And Jesus said, the fields, the harvest fields are white and ready to be harvested, but we need to pray for more workers to go and harvest. And those workers are us, really. So we need to pray that we will be willing to go. And God won't ask everyone to go to Peru or to another country, but he does ask us to, to go where he wants to send us and be willing to do that. So um, I'd just like to pray for you that, that God will... Um, help people to know where they're supposed to go or whom they're supposed to be speaking to. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this congregation tonight. Thank you for all the people that you've worked in in Peru. Lord, there's so many, I can't mention them all, and there's so much that you've done in, in, in opening up areas to plant churches, and through children especially, but also through adults as well. And Lord, um, thank you for giving me that privilege of being involved in your work. And I pray for everyone here, Lord, that you will show them which area you want them to be working for you in, who you want them to speak to, who needs you. And um, Lord, I pray that you will empower them by your Holy Spirit to do this. And so that this church can soon be double the size that it is tonight, Lord, that each one can win one, that each one can have a person in mind whom they pray for and who they can invite to come or who they can witness to directly. Lord, we just pray for that. And thank you that there is a church that you, people can bring people to and that it's a church that preaches the gospel and people can come to know you here as we heard about this morning. Lord, we just ask for your spirit to fill this place and to fill each person, each one of us. And we keep needing to be continually filled, Lord, because we um, just need that power. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. And I also just want to read another passage, if you don't mind, which is in 1 Corinthians 1. And it's about, um, really about dependence on God and about God um, using people who think they can't be used. Because I think this has been really helpful to me when I thought, oh gosh, I, I don't think I'm the right person to do all these things and I, I don't feel at all capable to do it. But I realized that I have to depend on the Holy Spirit. And in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26, Paul says, brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were mighty or influential. Not many were of noble birth, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things which are not to nullify the things that are so that no one 
may boast before him. So the thing is for us to be weak and dependent on God, and then he can use us more powerfully because the Holy Spirit can work through us. So thank you.